Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Global Mental Health Outreach Podcast. Today, I am joined with a very special uh, special guest, Zane Landon, who um, is involved in many mental health um, endeavors, such as the Positive Vibes magazine. He has been, um, you know, invited to Washington, D.C. to talk to um, President Biden and different um, very well-known um, people about mental health and we're so lucky to be able to have him on the podcast today to talk to talk about his journey in the mental health space and um how he kind of came into this um so hi zane how are you doing today i'm great how are you i'm good so i just wanted to start by asking you kind of like how did you um kind of get into the space of mental health and what life experiences and things like that up until this point have um kind of led you to be where you are my life has always been involved in the mental health community from my personal lived experiences to my families to friends to people around me which i think is a common experience i think a lot of people have encountered mental health around them but because it's so stigmatized we don't hear those stories we don't hear we don't hear about them because people are too afraid to share their story to the point where it's brave to share your story, which I think is sad. I think we, I hope one day we can come to a place where it's not brave to share your story. It just is. Or you don't have to share your story because all communities, all identities are embraced to the point where you don't have to share your story. Um, like it, it's not, it's not like something you have to run up a hill to do. It's something that you can just do and you're celebrated to do so. Because, so, you know, now it's, it's hard for people to share their story. More people are coming out and talking more about mental health. I think it's great but again you know there's so much more that can be done um so you know my entire life i experienced it i you know i i was i always saw a psychologist so to me it's a normal experience to see psychologists i think it's something everyone should try one day if you know if they have the means to but mental health goes beyond that than just that because mental health is not just additional there's a lot of other things to it there's a lot of things that can support it if it's coaching if it's meditation if it's spirituality if it's being around people, being around family, the people you surround yourself with, the boundaries you set, it's all part of it. And sometimes it can be hard to always, you know, fulfilling your self-care because part of self-care is not just relaxing. Sometimes it's setting a boundary of people you can't be around um, that aren't bringing out the best in you. And you have to sometimes make hard decisions. Right. So that's one of the things that I learned about. And for me, I was never really a mental health advocate because I just thought it was what I experienced and that's it. I didn't know there was more to it than that. I got involved in different organizations and in university. Um, there was a time where my mental health really, you know, worsened or, you know, or I had a hard time maintaining my mental health is probably a better way to say it. And, you know, I was engaging in self-harm. There was a lot going on. I had suicidal thoughts and, but they were really prominent there. I kind of realized I've had them from time to time throughout my life. They're really prominent at that time because there was a lot going on with my family and relationships, a lot of different things that were going on in my life. I was an advocate before that, but I think that really propelled me to become more even more of an advocate because I finally saw within myself how bad it can be for some people. Yeah, And I I experienced, oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I think, no, just for me, I think when it comes to um, um, the mental health space, a lot of it is propelled by personal experience because once you kind of go through something like that, you truly see the gravity of like what mm-hmm. kind of, you know, falling into, I guess you could say the vortex of your own negative thoughts can really feel like. 
And um, for me, you know, kind of like, obviously everybody knows that high school is hard, but it, it gets to a point sometimes where it's just too much to handle. And there's so many ups and downs, whether that be with, you know, personal relationships and things like that. Um, but even my start in the global mental health program, it, it, it came from really wanting to act on my um, kind of like wanting to get involved in the mental health space because I didn't know um, kind of really how deep this was to begin with. And I think that's kind of where, um, where our stories are related. I wanted to ask you, um, there was um, a magazine that you started during the pandemic and I was reading about it um, on the website in a little bit, the Positive, My My, uh, Positive Vibes magazine. And I wanted to ask you, what prompted you to start this and how did you build a team of people who are equally as passionate passionate as you about mental health? Yeah, a couple of things. I think the first thing was the pandemic really opened people's eyes up to the world of mental health. I think that it was a fit strong, there was a very strong community of people experiencing mental health, but their voices and opinions were kind of just silenced by the people who didn't want to hear about mental health and kind of the, kind of the game changers in the media. That was my main concern with the mainstream media at the time and still now that you rarely see stories about mental health and when you do they're actually not really painted in a positive light yeah in a way that's empowering because when it comes to because when it comes to storytelling um you want to you do want to talk about the positive i know some people think that when mental health it comes you want to talk about the real truth and the negative yes but if we're wanting to change hearts and we want to change stories we want to change people and re- so they can resonate with the stories we got to talk about the positives too and that there is hope that there is treatment or there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Doesn't mean it's like the all-encompassing holy grail, but yeah. it means that there's more to it than just thinking about the negative. You know, that there are people who have mental health conditions, there are speakers, there are success stories, there are CEOs. It's possible. And just because they do it doesn't mean you can. Like every journey is different. Yeah. But it can happen. And I think that's what I mean when I say like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Doesn't mean that the mental health goes away. It's always there. For you know, I think it's an ongoing journey for everyone. But, you know, you can still be successful. You can still live a life that you want, you know? Maybe not everything you've always wanted, but certain aspects of it. And I think striving for it is a great thing. And some people are told, and that's why sometimes you have insecurity coming from mental health, that they can achieve these things because of their mental health condition. Uh, or, or it may, yeah, it might be difficult, but, you know, it can be possible, you know? And so that is one of the things that I was seeing. And I saw that the mainstream media just wasn't talking about mental health. They yeah. were talking a lot about the, they were talking about a lot of the facts about COVID, which of course is incredibly necessary, but- Yeah, more in a then, light. Yeah, and you know, they were talking about intersectional communities. They were talking about how different groups were being laid off and different groups were experiencing discrimination. So then why were we having a difficult time talking about mental health when I was hearing about it from a lot of people? Like yeah. even in, like geographically, you know, since you're able to connect with everyone on Zoom and people from all over the world, I was hearing it from people from all over that mental health was something that they were experiencing and that they were acknowledging it with for themselves now. And people were starting to see it. Cultures, organizations, people, leaders, the mainstream media still had a difficult time talking about it. So that was the main inspiration. And of course, it was actually a school project. Yeah. <laughs> it was for my university. And you know we needed to create a publication. I wanted to create one based on the positivity storytelling around mental health because that's what I wanted to see. And, I, and there are many platforms that are doing that. 
Yeah. But at the time I didn't see any that I saw myself in and I wanted to create one that, you know, I wanted to see. Yeah. And it, it really started with a, an Instagram account. We started again, I always say this, we start with social media, but I think people forget the power of social media and how you can really tap into an audience and a community and build this place of love right. and like spreading good resources. A lot of people see the negative of social media because social media is a tool and you can use it for good or bad just like almost everything and there are people using social media for good and creating communities and creating space for people so that's the so social media is a great can be used as a great thing and the magazine was really supposed to be about just a couple writers sharing our stories through blogs and stuff but we ended up changing direction entirely you know when someone asked us if we could interview him and his lived experience it was just a very different experience because I never thought we would be doing that. Yeah. So after that, it kind of changed the trajectory of everything we were doing. And now we focus on sharing the moments and stories of people and the work that they're doing, the light work, whatever it is that they're doing, if they're a mental health yeah. advocate or if they're a chef or if they're a musician, as long as they're positively changing the world in a good way and impacting mental health and communities and, you know, being a leader and starting those conversations that people aren't having that's what we want to see yeah and I think that um yeah like you said I think it just it starts with people's stories um you know not everybody is comfortable sharing but I think even the whole um goal that GMHO has is to um is to destigmatize the negative stereotype that has been associated with talking about mental health because a lot of the time people you know it's normal people share their successes people share like you know oh what's going good in their life but we rarely ever talk about what you know what is going wrong or what could go wrong or what's stressing us out and I think that um yeah even with the magazine just normalizing that is is such a great initiative um I wanted to talk about um your participation in the Mental Health Youth Action Forum at the White House this year. I wanted to ask you just like pretty briefly, what was your experience like and what did you take away from that? Because that, you know, that's really big. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go back to the first question a bit. Just the, when you asked about what made me an advocate, it was, it wasn't just that I came to the realization that, you know, it was really bad too. It was now that I was experiencing really bad stuff. I was looking up more organizations. I was researching different organizations like Active Minds, which Mm -hmm. is a, you know, a university kind of serving, you know, organization where they have clubs and chapters all over the country where they tackle youth mental health. So that's where I discovered some of these organizations. And that's where I got more involved because I saw you can get involved and I wanted to join and participate. And I learned about the youth mental health youth action forum through Active Minds because of my involvement. And I mean, but honestly, when the applications came out and I was already involved in following a lot of organizations that focus on mental health, I saw like all the applications from so many pages. Yeah. But I definitely saw it first from Active Minds. And that was like, at that time, that was the most prominent organization I was a part of when it came to mental health. Right. So I do love their organization. So I saw the application and it was this great program, the first ever mental health youth action forum at the White House. I know there's been a lot of youth mental health forums, but this one was stationed at the White House and was going to be hosted there and it was being planned by MTV you know one of the biggest media media companies in the in the world really and they've just had such a stronghold in media it's great to see a company doing that so I decided to apply for it because not only was it at the White House and MTV but they were working with some of the 
most powerful mental health organizations. So I knew that if these organizations like the Jeb Foundation, National Alliance on Mental Illness, those organizations have a stake in this, I know that this is a good thing, yeah. you know, because you never know what you're signing up for um, or if it's performative activism, whatever it is. But I, I saw that this had good intentions and they had the partners that I wanted to see myself involved in. Yeah. So I did apply for it and it was a brief application. There wasn't really too much to it. It was probably really equitable that way, actually. But I was fortunate enough that, you know, I was selected to move forward in the next round. And again, it was just another simple form. And, you know, I filled it out and a month later, I discovered that I was selected. And the moment I found out, <laughs> I was pretty overwhelmed. I didn't really know what to think. I was kind of in denial. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a fever dream. <laughs> It definitely kind of felt like that or euphoric yeah. or whatever, however you can describe that. But I felt that way. Um, and even when, because like part of the program was not just the forum in May in person, but we had Zoom sessions, like kind of like a boot camp where yeah. we were creating creating ideas, collaborating, learning about one another. And even in that moment, you forget you're there. I think yeah. it's easy that when you when you get to a place that you never imagined and you're there or you've worked hard and you get there, you forget you're there and you're like, I actually made it. I'm here. <laughs> so sometimes it sounds like you're like, it feels like you're at this stillness where like you, you forget where you are. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So that was kind of what was going on. And, you know, I'll be honest though, like talking about mental health, I was definitely depressed during it too yeah. for different, for different reasons. But sometimes I was just experiencing imposter syndrome because sometimes when, oh, yeah. you know, when you see people accomplish a lot and, but you forget you accomplished a lot too, and that's why you're here. And you for and you forget that us 30 folks that were selected, we were all selected. We're all at the same level. We're all here contributing to the same program. Sure, we have different experiences, um, different backgrounds, but we're all here at an equal level. All of our voices matter. And that's how it should be in anything, you know? And that's something I learned that, you know, don't get caught up in what other people have accomplished. And I do though. Like even recently I, I you know, was second guessing myself and not believing in myself because I saw some other people that I questioned, like, how come I'm not there? But then, you know, I just have to take myself away from that and just say, this is what I have accomplished, though. And other people can't say that either. You yeah. know, so there's there's so many areas that you have to think about. But you have to remember what you've done and your value. And it can be hard, though. And it's definitely hard. Yeah. I think a lot of people have trouble. I have a lot of people have trouble with that. And, you know, it impacts our self-esteem. And if it impacts your self-esteem, they may not go for an opportunity because they don't think they're good enough. And it just takes away their value and their opportunities. Anyways, so <laughs> what I will say is that it was amazing, though, to connect with people and to hear people openly share their journey and what they've gone through. Um, and the, in, the actual in-person forum, again, it went by so fast and you forget you're there. Like I said, you know, you're there in Washington, D.C. and you're going through the motions like we're we're preparing yeah. for it. And then even when Wednesday came, and Wednesday was the White House portion, we were there and we were waiting and, you know, things happened and then it started and then it ended. Yeah. <laughs> like you definitely have to like, it's hard to do, but when you're in that moment, try to celebrate where you are. And just, even if like, even if there's like a moment where you're just like taken away from it. Because yeah. at the actual in-person forum, I wasn't speaking, six people spoke. So I think there was a time where I was able to just kind of like sit there and like, I listened, of course, but like I just took myself away for like a couple of seconds. And I was like, I'm actually here. Yeah. And I've actually made it. And I'm here at the White House representing youth mental health across the country. And I think people have to remind themselves 
of their journey. I mean, because I think the journey is most important. And, and really, to, exactly. And I wanted to add to um to add on what you said about the um the kind of like the imposters. I think a lot of people struggle with that, like you know, not thinking that we don't deserve to be somewhere, or like you know, like oh, this is so much greater than us. But I think just the fact that you were in a in a space where you were able to kind of sit down with mental health um, advocates from all over the country who were who, who are all so different, but all essentially just had the same goal, wanting to, you know, um, destigmatize a stereotype that's been surrounded with mental health. And, you know, especially all of these esteemed guests that were also there, I think shows us how powerful, you know, um, mental health is and how seriously that it, sh it should be taken. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, you kind of like throughout our conversation, you've said that what inspires you is storytelling and how we can leverage, you know, these powerful stories to create a more, you know, um, to create an inclusive world, to create an inclusive world. I wanted to ask, um, what is one of your favorite things that you, um, that you, that you like about, you know, mental health, you know, spreading the awareness for it or something, one of your favorite things that you've written or someone else's story that you have been impacted by? Like, what do you feel you have gained the most or, you know, um, found the most happiness from in this space? I will say starting the magazine. Yeah. If I didn't start it, I wouldn't have been invited to the White House. I think because that was the first thing that I took ownership of that was mine and I decided to take direction for it. And it was something I've never done before. So there was a lot of components, like trying something new, starting a business, being an entrepreneur, things I never anticipated I would ever do. And it completely changed my world. And when I say my favorite part of it, my favorite part of it is the interviewing because <laughs> I've interviewed over 90 people from across the world. And every interview, I gain some sort of knowledge and wisdom and I am somewhat a different person after the interview, not completely, <laughs> yeah. but you know, some parts of my out, my outlook and my mindset do change. Just, I did an interview recently about mm -hmm. someone that talks about how your body can be like a desert if you don't feel it with water and nutrients and love. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're not, if you're not, if you're not feeling your emotions and feeling them, you're kind of weakening your system and your body. And because your body is like a desert. I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was really powerful. And yeah. so I never thought of it that way. So I'm always learning things and I'm always learning about mental health and all, all these different capacities, different organizations, different approaches. I mean, I got to interview the, a woman who was one of the, was like the first person basically to start like the first anti-stalking law in this country. And that was when there really weren't stalking laws when you know sh she was a survivor of it. And yeah. just hearing stories like that. And they're not necessarily the main focus of mental health. But again, with mental health, like almost every single issue involves mental health. Right. And if you're like a survivor of stalking, how is your mental health not going to be impacted, right? Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes the focus isn't on mental health, but, but sometimes it is. But we always go back to that area of mental health because it's so important. And to go back to your question about, you know, how did I find people to help write for the magazine that were just as passionate? I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think it's very hard to find people that are passionate about mental health. Yeah. I think that we're under the assumption that mental health is a small community, but I think it's huge and it's just growing every single day faster than we can even really comprehend. Yeah. And I think the pandemic was responsible for that. And I also think that, you know, 
part of it, Gen Z is responsible for that. I think, you know, there are groups in every generation that talk about mental health, but I think Gen Z's have pushed right. the, the barriers to talking about mental health and being vulnerable at school or the workplace or in life. And I like that they're resilient enough to say that we don't want to stand by that anymore, that they want to live in a, like an inclusive world that they can be themselves. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of switch the um, conversation to a more nuanced mm -hmm. topic now. Um, I wanted to talk about um, kind of the emotional struggles that come with grief. I know we both mm -hmm. have kind of experienced um, um, something similar. I, um, I lost my mom in late 2019. I think I was 14 years old. And um, I wanted to ask, after looking at your social media, I learned that you also experienced the same thing earlier last year. Um, and I wanted to kind of talk about how, where someone as, where someone is at in their life and kind of the expectations and everything, how does losing such a important, impactful, probably the most important person in your life, how does that affect who you are as a person and how you feel like you can grow from experiencing such emotional pain like that? I wanted to kind of hear your, your take and your story on that. Sure, and chime in, because, you know, like you said, you yeah, we, share this, we share this experience, so I want to hear your perspective as well. But for me, I think the one thing that I will say is it is incredibly hard. Yeah. And it it's supposed to be. And don't take away from that. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes people say that there's an appropriate way to grieve. There's a certain way to show your emotions. Don't be too emotional. And don't think you're doing anyone any favors when you're saying something like that. Yeah. I think in the moment where someone's grieving, just let them grieve. It's a different story if they're hurtful or they're hurting themselves. That's a different story. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about people that are just trying to make sense of what's happening and they're yeah. trying to understand their emotions and they're trying to feel them, yeah. you know, and for some people it is hard. You know, I tell people, because you also don't want to kind of blame people for not being emotional because that's the interesting thing about grief is that some people feel indifferent, some people feel a little faded from it, and some people are in shock. You know, it's like, just because you can't outwardly see their emotions doesn't mean there's nothing going on inside. We we, we definitely know this. Yeah. But there's still like that pressure to either not be emotional or you should be a little emotional right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's a weird dynamic where- I know, and I think, like for me, I was so I was so young. I mean, I still am. It's only been what about three years since it's all happened. But I think number one is um, when you're that young. I I did not I did not have a clue how to process anything because I truly was kept in the dark about you know her condition and her sickness for so long. Mm. Um, my mom got diagnosed with cancer when I was in second grade, and it's I kind of grew up with that. So inherently I'd kind of established, oh, she's getting treatment for it. She's fine. She just, you know, has to live like this for a long time. And then being so young, watching things get worse and worse in front of your eyes. That's something that I had no idea how to comprehend. And I would try my absolute best to kind of articulate that sometimes to my friends. And um, right after that in 2019, 2020 March was when the pandemic hit. And that was when, um, you know, we were all isolated and I didn't have to actually deal with the pressures from outside when I was grieving, but by not having to deal with the outside pressures and kind of like, you know, going out and experiencing your life 
um, you know, every day as you would, you know, quote unquote, normally, I was sitting in the confinement of my room, kind of just thinking about everything. And I would, you know, attend online school and I would, um, you know, talk to my dad, talk to my brother. But the real challenges for me came when I started my junior year of high school and everything was, you know, back to normal. And, you know, the comparison begins to start, you know, like, oh my gosh, I won't, you know, my friends, they all have this, they all are able to build this relationship that they have. I will never be able to have that anymore. That mentality was something that I had, I, I really struggled coming out of and junior year was absolute hell when it came to that aspect, because, you know, I began to lose a lot of friendships, you know, um, they're, you know, kind of filling this void that you had. I went down a very negative path of, you know, kind of making such futile relationships with friends, trying to meet a lot of people, but neglecting the, you know, one of my friends who was there with me for, through the entire thing, um, you know, kind of having fallouts with, of friendships. But it's been a year since all of that. And looking back now and looking back at my growth, I think the one thing that I can say is I feel like all of it was meant to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that I would be in a place where I am at now kind of come full circle. And obviously we all have our days where we're, you know, we feel it much more than other days. But I think for me, it comes to the fact that like the only person who truly knows how you're feeling is you. Mm -hmm. And even through my entire process of kind of healing myself emotionally, and I'm still on that path. But what I was doing was kind of I, something wrong that I was doing was putting other people's feelings like, oh, if I break down here, they're not going to think it's okay. Or if I start crying here, they're not going to approve of it. That was something that I really struggled with. And at one point, I just said, you know what, screw it. I'm, I'm going through something. And if they want to be there for me, that's great. But I think for me, it was me being there for myself and that's something that I had to really learn and um again I was young I, I I'm still young I didn't have any you know I was not emotionally mature and then you know when this thing was handed to me like this and it's like you know what go deal with it I was like well what what do I do yeah so I think that's yeah that's kind of my story but I wanted to hear more on yours no thank you so much for sharing I, you know I really resonate with you said where you said you had to kind of learn how to manage it for yourself yeah because I think that's really powerful because while it's great to have supportive friends and family at the end of the day you, you sleep with yourself right yeah and you have to be with yourself so I think that is the most important thing it's nice to get validation from people it is but that validation has to travel to you at the end of the day and you have to validate yourself eventually because yeah. if you have to seek external validation you're never going to be grounded in who you are because one day people won't be around. You know, what, what if someone dies or what if there's a fallout? You don't have that person anymore. How are you going to have comfort in yourself? So that's, I do resonate with that, what you said. I think that's really great. And yeah. And it's interesting you say young, because I, I think grief is hard for anyone, but yeah. of course I think, you know, for children, it's harder, especially like you said, you, you had certain circumstances for us. I didn't, we had no idea that was going to happen. It was a complete shock. Yeah. And, you know, it's such a surprise. And so for me, I kind of probably felt how you did when you said she's going to be fine. I thought my mom was going to be fine because um, they told us that she had a hard time waking up after the surgery. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, she'll wake up. It's fine. <laughs> you know, and so I had a piece of denial. No, I, actually, you know, what? I don't think it was denial. I think I had a 
a little piece of it, not really realizing how serious it was, but also just, I had this like vision of my mom, you know, of who she was, like almost like a, a Wonder Woman <laughs> in a certain way. So you have, and that's, I, I think that's fine though. I think kids see their parents that way. And, you know, I say kid, I wasn't a kid when it happened, but a kid at heart, you know, you grew up with your family, you still see them as mom and dad, like you're a kid. And, you know, you, you, they, you grew up with them a certain way and you see them as strong and powerful that nothing really can shake them and nothing really could shake my mom. You know, I don't think anything still can because yeah. death is just happens and it's natural, but still nothing could shake my mom, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, you know, I, but yeah. And so it, it, it was hard. And when I talk about that pressure is sometimes I would, I felt okay though. You know, like I still, for me, I was able to feel my mom's spirit. Mm -hmm. if I channeled it or whatever it was but I was able to feel still feel my mom's spirit and I was I always questioned I was like is that my own self or is that my mom's spirit near me or if I always felt this way so there's it was pretty confusing yeah. I told myself I was like no this is my mom's spirit and I want to keep her legacy growing and I want people to experience her like I did yeah so that helped me a lot um and I know that whatever I, my mom did or no no whatever I was doing my mom wanted me to do so you know my mom was like you know my biggest cheerleader everything that I did she was always supportive so I continued the work that I was doing and the stuff that I was passionate about and it made me proud to keep doing it and I know my mom was a serious advocate for everything that I was doing yeah um so there's a lot that goes into grief and you have to really reevaluate almost everything like you will be a different person coming out of it exactly. you know when you go through grief whenever you go through it um when you reach that point and grief is different for everyone I mean you could lose I'm talking about losing a serious loved one because you know I've experienced people dying in my family but I wasn't very close to them it's very different when they're very close to you of course yeah. and so you know when that happens and you reach that path just allow yourself to feel it and allow yourself to deal with it and just like you said if you're going to cry in public just do it especially since for one, you may not even see those people ever again. <laughs> you know, some of them are strangers. It, it may feel embarrassing, but what's more important? What's more important to be embarrassed, like momentarily, or to longevity, have longevity in your emotional maturity? That I think is more powerful. Yeah. And so, and, and like you said, it's a good telling of who's really important to you and who's actually there for you. So you cry in public and it's embarrassing, or you maybe lash out once or twice, or, you know, and, people avoid you or don't want to be around you to me it's telling more about them than you and it tells you who your real friends are or your real family is or who you who you want to be around and maybe it's even better that way yeah. and I agree with everything happens for a reason um and I I tell myself that and I understand that not everyone can understand that and not and that's not everyone's philosophy I think that's okay yeah because for some everything doesn't happen for a reason you know, if I really think hard about it, what was the reason, you know, my mom passed away? There is no reason. But for me, it gives me comfort knowing that there's a reason and it's a journey. And I do believe at the end that there is something beyond that and I will see her again. Yeah. And that is comforting for me enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think, especially with how similar our stories are and you know everybody's story is different and the way that people process is different but I think that um for me coming from 
um, I come from an area where everybody um, kind of looks like me, I guess you could say. Um, you know, we're all majority of, of the population here is Asian. And um, a lot of us are Indi of Indian uh, descent. And I think that sometimes in Indian families, and I will not speak for everybody, but I know from for for my family in general and for my relatives and cousins, talking about mental health struggles was not normalized. Mm -hmm. And after my mom's passing, it was really interesting to see how um, how open a lot of people became because, you know, to, to the topic of talking about it. And even when we would get down and, you know, or when we would um, get together and kind of talk about um, you know, our struggles to see, you know, who actually showed up for, for my dad, for my brother, for me, who helped. It was really, it was really amazing. And I was really blessed to be able to have um, a lot of family living in such close proximity from us. So that was, that was really great. Um, but I think that sometimes when you're so low emotionally in your life, no matter how many people are there for you, even, you know, genuinely there for you, I feel like for me, I was on, I was the only person who was able to pull myself out of that. Mm -hmm. um, again, like you said, grief is a very, you know, multifaceted emotion. People experience it differently. And I was very, very lucky to be able to have, you know, my dad is great. He was there through it. Um, he was also experiencing the loss, you know, the loss, obviously my brother who's younger than me. Um, it, it was it was very, um, it was very emotion. I felt very emotionally suffocated going to school every day during junior year. And I was just, I, I didn't know how to process it all. And then, you know, I had GMHO um, and, um, you know, the Global Mental Health Outreach Program. And through this, I was kind of able to find a community of people who, who know the importance of, of, you know, talking about your struggles and know the importance of mental health and, um, yeah so I think that like my journey through it all and I know that this is just the beginning for me this is something that you know and I'm slowly day by day I'm learning to process it that this is something that you will I will have to live with for the rest of my life and um you know it happened when I'm when I am really young and you know it's not expected but I think that like you said everything happens for a reason and you know just being able to take you know the 14 years that I had with her even like the smallest of memories and kind of take them forward has been such a great source of kind of, you know, kind of releasing everything for me because mm -hmm. you, you think about all of the positive memories you had. And my mom, she was a very strong person in that regard. You know, she never made it feel like mm -hmm. she was, you know, like, she, like she couldn't do something because of her health. And I will say throughout my middle school, um, in, my early high school and even in my elementary school, we, my, my, me and my brother were very, very shielded from the reality of the situation. So when it was presented to us that things were getting, or like, you know, in a very bad state, it mentally took a toll on us. But fast forward to now, I think I'm in a place where, yes, it has happened, but how do I want to go about my life from here? It's kind of the light that I've switched to looking at it. So I wanted to ask you, from um the moment that you realize that you know this is how you know life is now and I know that yours is much more recent but I wanted to ask kind of where are you on the path of kind of you know discovering yourself because I know we all 
I, I guess we all have a sense of who we are, who we want to be. But for me, that's changing all the time. And I wanted to ask you, not just this experience of grief, but how has everything that you've kind of experienced up until your life, whether it be good, whether it be bad, Mm -hmm. that kind of impacted your perception of who you want to be in the future and how you want to kind of shape, you know, shape yourself and still and keep contributing to the mental health space? Well, I will say that I've never really experienced kindness to the degree of my mom's. Yeah. I think that I was able to shift the pain from the grieving into my purpose because my purpose was to be successful, to be the best person I can for my family and myself. Uh, But like I said before, it goes beyond that now. It's not just about me and my family. It is about a legacy. It is about my mom's legacy. It It is about making her proud, even though I don't know for sure. Like, you know, back then, my mom would tell me she's proud. Now I have to think, is this what my mom would want me to do? And I try my best to tap into my mom or just not even talk to her, but just think if I have, if I'm facing a dilemma, but regarding your question, all this stuff that, you know, I've been through, like seeing the kindness that I've been bestowed from like my mom and other people and how I felt and how like their kindness has shaped my life. I want to be that person for someone else, you know, and I may not know it. I may not know now for both of us. We never know who we impact, but at the end of the day, I want to impact people. I want people to remember how I made them feel or if I inspired them, or if I helped them, whatever it is, because I want to see people succeed, and I want to see people do well, and, you know, I'm always willing to help people, so I guess that's something me and my, something me and my mom do share. My mom always had a compliment to say to any single person, no matter what, like, had the most positive outlook on everything, so I try and keep those lessons close to what my mom taught me, and keep, and make them purposeful for everything that I'm doing, so I always try my best to be positive to try to see the light within people and bring out that light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just wrapping up our conversation. I know that obviously grief is a very heavy, heavy topic and people sometimes don't want to talk about it, but I want to thank you for being so open um, on, on our podcast today and sharing your story. Um, and just, you know, all of the amazing things that you're doing, such as the magazine and all of the mental health work, it really like for people like me, and I know the entire, um, our team at Global Mental Health Outreach is, is truly inspiring. And um, yeah, I think just for me, what, you know, especially being in a very competitive school district, everybody wants to be the best. I think sometimes we lose ourselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, like, it's it's very important, you know, for whatever mental health organizations are out there and things like that that keep reminding us to stay true to who we are, no matter our feel all of our feelings are valid, no matter how we're feeling. And it's okay to not, you know, sometimes it's okay to not feel what everybody else is feeling, you know, and there's no right way to feel and there's no right way to heal or to cope with anything. And um, yeah, I think I thank you for sharing your story. Well, thank you for creating the space for me to do so. Thank you. Um Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Please um, stay tuned for our next podcast. We will be posting one every week um, for the rest of the year. 
And um, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Stay tuned for more. Um, my name is Shruti Varahala and um, thank you guys. <laughs>